0: Welcome to this episode of Where There's Smoke, where we talk about self development through the filter of current events, sports, and popular culture. My name is Brett Geida. I'm your host. I'm just going to tell you right up front where this is all going. Because what I'm here to talk to you about today is one of the hardest skills in life and business to master, and also one of, if not the most valuable, and that is listening. Now, while I'm sure most of you are already saying something like, oh, I totally agree with you, or, well, that seems a bit hyperbolic, and I'm not sure if I agree with you, I can assure you that in those thoughts, you just validated the point. But before we get there, let's start where this episode started for me. And that was sitting on my couch, enjoying Chelsea Peretti's new stand-up special on Netflix, and then she said this. Do
1: you guys think that comments, like internet comments, are a good thing, pushing society in an even better and greater direction? <laughs> the <a> leading question. <laughs> Like, imagine if, like, some of the great minds of the past had been around during comment culture. Like, if Einstein had been a young scientist, just like, you know, maybe he would have posted a little theorem up on some science website, you know? Just like, E equals, I'm not sure yet, you know? <laughs> and then the first comment would have just been like, what's up, Fro?"
0: How far would Einstein get in our world today? How many rocket scientists has the comet culture killed? Great leaders, how many ideas? In many ways, we are a society where there is so much opportunity for new ideas. In a time where there are more entrepreneurs than any other time in history, technology's lowered the barrier of entry in so many fields, in so many ways. There's crowdsourcing, crowdfunding. You have virtually seamless access to the world. There's so much more support. There's so many more ways to create something. Everything is different, but the (laughs) same. Things are more modern than before, and yet smaller. (laughs) But there's also so much more access to shoot people and ideas down. And if you don't believe me, just hop onto YouTube and check out the comments section. You know, I I think about young people, and I think about young ideas and young concepts, and I wonder if they have the opportunity they once had to grow. Or when they choose to just peek their heads above the surface, are they crushed? I'm your head. I'm your head. A That's one issue. Are we killing these seedlings of greatness before they can bloom? This environment we've created, does it nurture or does it annihilate? Then I look at this from another angle and I wonder if Einstein would have even paid heed to those comments. I mean, after all... He was a highly intelligent human being. He likely understood human psychology better than the average bear. And in that, he probably would have recognized the right-wrong mentality of the comment culture and decided to just reject all of it. Because very few are truly listening, which means they're not offering anything remotely objective. And so why would he really care about your severely limited and frankly handicapped view of him? Now, coming back to today, As the pace of society speeds up and the flow of information has gone from a stream to a raging river three miles wide, we seem to be more and more losing touch with one of the most powerful abilities we have. Our ability to listen openly and from a place of learning, to truly be open to information outside of our current knowledge and beliefs. You see, most of us walk around listening from this place of I agree or I disagree. and bring to mind conversations you've had today or in the past week. How often is someone talking to you? And in your mind you're thinking, yep, I agree with that. You know, totally agree. Whoa, no. Oh, that's way off. Oh, I disagree with that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. etc., etc. Right? This is the entire conversation in our heads as other people speak. Now, if I can ask you for a little leeway, let's come at this from another angle. Recently, Mark Zuckerberg did a Q&A at Facebook HQ and he was asked about the possibility of a dislike button. Now, before I play this clip, let me be crystal clear. I am not stepping into an attack of Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook. I just, I just want to use some of his thoughts to open up some additional questions for you. Two-part question. Uh, firstly, judging by the success of the like button, uh, has there been any conversations about adding a dislike button?
1: You know, we're thinking about it uh, on, on the dislike button. It's, uh, it's an interesting question, right? Because there are two things that it can mean. And we're considering and talking about doing one and not the other. So the one that we we don't want to do, right, is there's this, the like button is really valuable because it's a way for you to very quickly um, express a positive emotion or sentiment when someone um, puts themselves out there and shares something.
0: Let's stop it there for a second. So I can pull from this that Facebook's desire is to create more positivity in the world, which is awesome and the like button is deemed really valuable because there's a belief that it's helping to do that. The key word in the sentence Mark spoke is positive. right? Remove that word and the sentence would be as true for a dislike button as it is for a like button. Now he goes on.
1: And you know, some people have asked for a dislike button because they want to be able to say that thing isn't good. And- that that's not something that we think is good for the world. So we're not going to build that. I mean, I don't think that there needs to be a voting mechanism on Facebook about you know whether posts are, are good or bad. Um, that that's I don't think I don't think that's socially very valuable or or, or good for the community to help um, people share the important moments in their lives.
2: Uh,
0: but see, it's already doing that. And again, let me be clear, I am not just talking about Facebook here. I'm talking about our society as a whole. Facebook is a reflection of society it exists in, all social media is. You see, there doesn't need to be a dislike button. There is a like button. The like button is the dislike button. Because if something is not liked, most people feel that it's disliked. That's the context we live in. We live in a culture of agree and disagree, and in that space, no one is listening. Watch the posts about anything on Facebook or Twitter, things as controversial as Ferguson or gun rights or as trivial as Mariah Carey's Christmas Rockefeller performance.
2: So make my wish come true, because baby, all I want for Christmas is you.
0: Watch how people present their opinions like a male peacock presents his feathers. It's not a debate. It's an online version of me waiting for you to stop talking so I can tell you what I think. Almost no one is actually listening to each other. Very few are open. The like button is the dislike button and the comment section is the soapbox. And again, this is not just about how we operate on Facebook or social media. It's how we operate everywhere. We don't listen. We just wait for our turn to talk. I'm talking about creating a space where people feel heard. Not a space where people feel right or people feel wrong, where people feel heard.
2: It's just that in the alley, no one cares what I have to say, but here I feel heard and accepted and, dare I say, loved.
0: And from that of actually hearing each other, we can start to ask more interesting questions. Why am I reacting the way I'm reacting to what you're saying? Why do I so vehemently disagree with you? Why do you believe that? Why do you feel that way? Why are we so sure that we're right about this? What don't we see? What don't we know? How would my life be different if I believed what you believed? See, unless we're open, we're not capable of thinking or feeling or doing anything different. If we're just walking around the world hearing everything from the standpoint of, oh, I agree, I agree, I disagree, I disagree, I agree, I agree, I disagree, are we learning anything new? No. Your mind becomes like one of those kids' toys, you know, with the round peg and the square hole. And you have a mind that says, I am a triangle. Anything triangle-shaped, I will accept and gets in, but anything circle-shaped, square-shaped, star-shaped, hexagon-shaped, wrist-shaped, foreign-shaped, young-shaped, old-shaped, fresh-shaped, odd-shaped will not get in. Now, if you operated like that for, let's say, the next five years, and then you looked inside your brain, what would be there? A whole bunch of triangles. Some of
2: the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. Oh, George, I've got a brain.
0: So if we say we want something different in our life, in our business, in our relationships, but all we're letting in are the same ideas because we're listening to everyone from the standpoint of right and wrong, then what are the chances we're going to get anything different? Well, I'll tell you in case, you know, you're not in the mood to do math. There's zero. Oh, and new ideas that lead to success and joy and fulfillment? I think I'll miss you most of all. We started with Einstein's theorem possibly getting crushed. And we finished with our scarecrow brain screwing up the Pythagorean theorem. So what's the next step? I'll suggest play around with this. How can you be more conscious when you're listening? Because no matter where you are on the spectrum of being a great listener, I know we all have work to do. Catch yourself saying, I agree or disagree in your mind. And when you catch yourself, just gently suggest to yourself to stay open. Ask yourself questions on what you feel, just like you might ask someone else. Why do I feel this way? Where is this reaction coming from? What am I resisting or reacting to? Am I open right now? There are times when we're struggling or the results are not what we want, and we think, God, why aren't the answers coming to me? You know, why is an opportunity knocking for me? And I'll suggest that sometimes it's not that the answers aren't coming or the opportunity isn't knocking. It's that we're not listening in an effective way to hear either. We're listening for a triangle. And we're missing everything else. I wanna continue this conversation with a guest. This gentleman's name is Cortland Warren, and I'm very excited to have him on the podcast for two reasons. One, after spending many years in corporate America, he made a transition 10 years ago into the personal transformation industry. Now he travels the country, speaking, coaching, training people, and he is brilliant at what he does. Two, he is also a very good friend. Cortland and I met at very similar points in our career years ago, And so it seems fitting that as I launch Where There's Smoke, he is my first guest.
2: My name is Cortland Warren, and I am founder of Cortland Warren Incorporated. And uh, my vision is to create a company that is the driving force behind the ideas that make new the thoughts of people about what they're capable of doing.
0: I'm going to pick up the conversation about five minutes in, and we are talking about how people get positioned, and they aren't really listening how a lot of people are just collecting the evidence necessary to fit their current beliefs more so than being open to new ideas, possibilities, strategies, and insights. You're out there working with, you know, everyone from individual entrepreneurs up to, you know, big organizations and executive teams. You know, how is that showing up in, in the business world? Or, or maybe even another way to phrase it would be, you know, what are some of the costs of that maybe in the business world?
2: Definitely the costs are very high. Uh, the prices that are being paid are, 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 are heavy. Uh, one of the uh, major places that you see it is in customer loyalty. Uh, some of the latest statistics that I've seen show that 82% of people will say, after having, a, having an experience with a company, 82% of people will say that they, were, uh, that they were satisfied, that they were a satisfied customer. 82%. And yet, less than 50% will actually return to do business with that organization. And so, uh, yes, I was satisfied, but will I come back and do business here again? Probably not. So the biggest difference is uh, what companies and what I'm actually working with companies on is rather than going for customer satisfaction, go for customer appreciation. And so uh, we, we're, we're satisfied when we get what we expect to get in whatever that business transaction might be, um, but we appreciate when a company goes the extra mile. And one of the ways that we know that they've gone the extra mile is if they've taken the time to listen, to find out what it is that I want uh, or what it is that I need. And oftentimes what I find in organizations is they're looking to provide what they think the customer needs versus what the customer shared uh, that they want. A big difference between uh, being satisfied and actually appreciating the company that you do business with. And one of the ways to ensure that that happens is uh, through listening and having the the customer feel or know that they were heard.
0: Right. So, so on that, I mean, I feel like listening is one of those things that everybody universally agrees that it's really important.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think some people really struggle with, it borders the hard skill and the soft skill, right? Mm-hmm. And so people struggle with, well, okay, great, I need to be a better listener. Well, you know, how the heck do I do that? So when you, you know, when you're working with people and you're having these conversations and they're, uh you know, they're nodding their heads in agreeing right, and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I see it. What kind of stuff are you working with them on as far as, okay, well, h- where do I start? Like if, you know, whether it's the fact that my wife says I never listen or the fact that my customers aren't coming back, where do I start in figuring out how to be a better listener?
2: You know, I, I really believe, Brett, that, you know, great listening Uh, And this may sound cliche or mushy or whatever, but to me, great listening starts with care. Like I actually have to care about uh, the person that I'm in communication with. And if that's a customer or or a husband, a wife, a partner, a friend, I actually have to care about their outcome. And so uh, oftentimes what is required is, um, you know, what I refer to as being outward focused. So I have to actually uh, genuinely care about the outcome that they are looking to produce. And what I believe is true is that every person, every person has a question for which uh, the the answer to it would be priceless. Meaning, everyone has a question that they're asking themselves that that keeps them up at night, that they're challenged by, that they struggle with, uh, that they don't have clarity on, that if someone were able to provide them with a solution or the answer to that question that they're asking, you know, you would have instant rapport and loyalty. So to start with is a high level of care. And uh, the the second part of that, though difficult, is to really suspend uh, judgment. Our viewpoints, beliefs, and opinions are based on our life experiences. And so oftentimes the conflict in in relationship or the breakdown in communication is because so often it's, well, who's right and who's wrong? Or if I acknowledge that this other person has great insight, or if I acknowledge that they are right, then am I acknowledging or admitting that I'm wrong? When in truth, how we see the world is based on our life experiences and how we perceive the world, understand the world is all based on our life experiences and so when i make someone else wrong i'm essentially making them wrong for their life experiences and Mm -hmm. that doesn't even make logical sense and so between that space of agree and disagree or right and wrong i tend to believe that there's a third option and that option being well what if no one is wrong see that conversation is not going to work that communication is not going to be effective if either person communicating feels that in order for there to be resolution they've got to acknowledge that uh, that they were wrong in the first place and so what if no one is wrong uh, because to make you wrong for your life experiences doesn't even make sense so if i recognize that those are where your paradigms are created then i'm less uh, i'm less inclined to make you wrong for how you view it and there's there's now an opportunity for insight and uh the opportunity to even uh, maybe be inspired from the insight that's gained. So care first, and two, suspend judgment, uh, recognizing that there's a third option where no one is wrong, and from that place, um, you know, inspiration and insights are are possible.
0: Right, right, yeah, and one of the things I I talked about a little bit earlier in the show was, you know, this idea that uh, of actually, you know, asking ourselves questions in the moment right mm-hmm. we walk around i agree i disagree i agree but you know in the moment when someone says something that i vehemently think is wrong let's say mm-hmm. to to ha- ask myself a question like well god why do i so vehemently disagree with them you know mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like you know why am i so sure i'm right about this or how would i see the situation if i agreed with them and just taking myself out of my own paradigm or belief system for a moment because there might actually be something valuable that I learn. I remember one of my business coaches years ago saying he had a little post-it note on his wall and it was based on a story he shared with me of, of a business deal where he literally lost hundreds of millions of dollars. But the post-it note just said, what don't I see? Mm, and wow. you know, I think this, I- this idea, right? That, you know, if we're just caught in our viewpoint, mm-hmm. it's probably a lot we're not seeing.
2: Exactly. Exactly right. And, you know, Brett, what I've also found is that, you know, just as you ask yourself those questions of, you know, what, you know, what am I not seeing? Or how would I view this? How would I feel if I saw it the way that they see it? Is before the rush to judgment, asking the person that you're in communication with some clarifying questions. Mm. You know, we're using words sometimes that don't where, you know, both people aren't even working under the same definition. And so, you know, to ask them, you know, some clarifying questions of, you know, how is it that you see it that way? And, um, you know, to get to get some uh, some greater understanding. So just as you ask yourself, you can also ask the person that you are in communication with, you know, to, to clarify. And I've seen it happen where as they start to question their own belief and why they see it, you know, the way that they see it currently, I've seen breakthroughs happen as a result of that as well. Without me, you know, making them see it, they're able to see it for themselves. So, uh, but I love that. I love that post note, what what don't I see? That's uh, pretty incredible.
0: Okay, so the show is called Where There's Smoke, which obviously is, you know, based on the idiom of where there's smoke, there's fire. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I'm always looking to do is You know, what's another way to to look beyond maybe what's visible or what don't I see? Um, Hmm. This may be, uh, you know, connected to exactly what we've been talking about, or it might be a new tangent, which is fine. But, you know, as you're out there, you know, working with individuals and organizations and, you know, looking at listening and looking at learning and what people are doing, what are some of the big themes for you as far as things that you think other people aren't really seeing? They aren't really noticing. Hmm.
2: I think the biggest question that people are asking and actually I don't think this, I know that the biggest question that they're asking themselves the most is am I good enough? Which really, you know, based on uh, the topic that we're exploring here today uh, really has me, you know uh, doing a lot of work on how men and women listen to themselves, Mm -hmm. Uh, why it is important to, you know, be in great communication and listen, Uh, externally, uh, it's also important to be paying attention to the conversations that uh, that you're having with yourself. And so uh, the big the big themes as far as, you know, what I'm able to see and have experienced is people asking themselves just that and then listening, you know, listening to the response, the internal dialogue and conversations with the technological um, advances. Uh, So much is being done for us now. You know, a lot of things uh, are being done without us really being consciously aware of what it would have taken to have that feat accomplished just 20, 50, 100 years ago. And so the more technology advances, uh, the faster things become. I am of the opinion that as things uh, speed up, what it will lead to is men and women questioning themselves. Uh, as to why am I here? Uh, what's the point? What's my purpose? And so being able to have an internal dialogue that is healthy uh, and that is conducive for contribution is uh, is very important. But that, that question is the biggest one that I hear coming up week in and week out as I as I travel across the country.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's so great because again, <laughs> the show is called where there's smoke. It's like, what, you know, what, what are you missing? And, and you just brought up something that I completely missed in this episode, which was the idea that listening is not just about two people or, or more than one person. It also is about how we listen to ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. you know, you and I often joke, it's like, we ask people, do you talk to yourselves? And, <laughs> everybody in the audience goes, do I talk to myself? Right. So, you know, yeah. clearly we all talk to ourselves and, and that I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up because it is something that I completely missed, which is that everything we've been speaking about you and I, and everything I spoke about in the early part of the show also, you know, pay heed to those conversations we're having internally in our heads. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, along the lines of, you know, the show, right. Where there's smoke. I believe that the fire is always inside. You know, and, and even going back to you know social media and people's opinions and viewpoints, it's kind of you know, one one of the things to kind of step back and ask is, okay, so what are they defending? You know, whether whether that's you know my my political view or my favorite sports franchise or player, like what is it that is really being defended? And so if we say, well, that's the smoke, <laughs> then you know the fire might be, and I'll continue to you know plug in and listen to the show, and you know how this uh, how this evolves. But you know if the latest news cycle or you know my favorite team is the smoke, and I'm so adamantly defending mm-hmm. this franchise and those players, then internally, you know internally, what you know what is it masking is mm-hmm. where I go right, and so. I believe that that's where the fire is. I believe that uh the fire is within. And that that burn, you know, as Napoleon Hill said in uh the classic uh, Think and Grow Rich, uh the burning desire. And for many people there is this burning desire for relevance, a burning desire to feel worthy of the life that they're experiencing. Right. And so very important that we have those that that our internal dialogue uh, what we say to ourselves and what we listen and pay attention to are as important as any conversation or dialogue that we might have with someone else.
0: Yeah. And I would say to, to bring that back around a little bit to what we were talking about earlier and the the overall topic of listening that you were talking earlier about loyalty with customers. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you're just listening to what people are saying Mm-hmm. And you're not actually doing the work or, you know, to to actually listen beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. To to mm-hmm. actually, you know, listen to what they're saying, but then attempt to listen between the lines. Where's that, yes. really, you know, where's that really coming from? What's really going on for them? Uh, because especially when we get in, in, I mean, it's true everywhere, but let's bring it back to business for a second. When we talk about customers, clients, you know, people very rarely are going to be completely upfront with you. Whether that mm-hmm. is because they're, you know, not sure if they trust you yet or whether they're just kind of playing their cards close to their chest. So I think if we don't start, you know, maybe you could call it intuitively, but it's not even necessarily intuitively. It's really just paying attention and just hearing the actual words they use and how they say things and and practicing that muscle of not just, you know, listening to what they say, but actually trying to see, as you said, what is that fire underneath? What What's what's driving what they say, I think, is, is really incredibly important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything out there? I mean, you're, you're a guy who I know is, is constantly taking in information and, 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 you know, reading, watching things, listening to people, meeting people. Anything that's caught your attention lately or impressed you? And it could be an individual, it could be a book, an article, a movie, a, a Ted talk. It could be anything. And it could be more than one. Be, feel more than happy to share more than one. But anything that's, that, you know, that you've been digesting lately that's really interesting to you?
2: What I've been reading and studying most, uh, right now is, uh, some of the work that's being done in neuroscience and um, how we make decisions. And so some of the, you know, work that's out now uh, is really uh, intriguing um, to me. Uh, large, uh, you know, big, big box retailers and, you know, uh, Google Analytics and everything in between, it's really about, you know, how we make decisions. And so uh, the, the studies and the work that are being done on that are of, uh, of most interest to me. My favorite author right now uh, is a gentleman by the name of by the name of Jonah Lair, who wrote uh, How We Decide. You know, very intriguing. It's very intriguing. You know, why why supermarkets set up uh, because they know that our tendency is to turn right when we go into the supermarket. Uh, they put the vegetables and things up front. They put the you know more common and daily needs way at the back of the store. Uh, and uh, then they put all the junk food items right at the cash register none of those things are by accident and though we think that we're all so unique and uh individuals and how we you know process information uh the similarities are pretty scary uh so much so that they can uh they can add uh, pretty predictable um, statistics uh to that and uh, it's great uh reading if you have some interest in neuroscience and What makes us tick and how we decide.
0: Awesome. And I will uh, include that in the show notes with a link so everyone can check that out and grab it if they uh, so desire. Um, so with that, Cortland, listen, I just, you know, really want to say thank you to you, uh, for taking the time today. uh, As I mentioned, uh, at the beginning of the show for everyone listening uh, Cortland and I are, 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 good friends and colleagues. And, uh, it's great to be able to have you on the show. I I don't anticipate this will be the last time you'll be on the show. Um, so hopefully as we've, uh, done this many times down the road, we'll always remember this as the, as the first one.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, thanks a lot for the invitation and, uh, I look forward to tuning in. Cool. It's going to be great. Right on. Thank you, Cortland. Thank you. Those of you who are
0: interested in learning more about what Cortland does, you can check him out at cortlandwarren.com and I will include that link in the show notes. Cortland travels the country speaking and training and also selectively one-on-one coaches people. So there are definitely several ways that you can work with him. One last thing I wanna mention briefly here that may have been missed. You know, We've been talking about listening in this episode and a lot of the focus and verbiage has been leaning towards the oral aspect of listening. And while that's important, It's not the whole picture. We communicate as much with our body language, eye contact, facial expressions, posture, gestures, as we do with our voice. And so you can also listen with your eyes. Be aware of that, especially when we talk about listening between the lines. Pay attention to what other people's body language is saying and be aware that your body is speaking too. that is almost a wrap for this episode. Where There's Smoke is written and hosted by me, Brett Gaida, and produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Jaworski. Nick runs Podcast Monster, a full-service digital audio production company that caters to businesses and individuals with a story to share. Just to be clear, Nick puts his pants on, just like the rest of you, one leg at a time. Only once his pants are on, he makes your podcasts sound awesome. You can find him at podcastmonster.com. Our theme song was written and performed by Des McKinney with additional music by Kevin McLeod, And our cover art was done by the genius designer and strategist, Sam Goff. To subscribe to this podcast, go to iTunes or your app of choice. Check out our website at smoke.co. There are a lot of reasons to do that, okay? Number one, you may have noticed we like to pull in the odd clip here and there from movies, TV shows, the interweb. And while you may recognize some of them, Hmm, you might be wondering about some others. Well, on our website, which again, is where there's smoke.co, you can find show notes that include the source material for all of the clips used in each episode and links to anything else we referenced in the show. Also, we wanna interact with you. So if you have something to say, feedback on the show, a question, an idea, a request, you can leave a voicemail right there on the webpage through the SpeakPipe app. You got 90 seconds to speak your piece. As well, connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. All of that can be found On our website and if you want to make sure to not miss anything we're up to join our mailing list you can do that on the website or you could actually pull your phone out right now text the word smoke to 66866 reply with your email and bam we will be connected now sometimes we like to give out awards here where there's smoke because you know people love to win and so for this episode I do want to name an MVC a most valuable clip And that award goes to Chelsea Peretti, whose stand-up antics opened the episode. You can find that stand-up special called One of the Greats on Netflix and also check Chelsea out on Brooklyn Nine-Nine or her podcast entitled Call Chelsea Peretti, which is hilarious. In addition, Nick would like to give out an award for Best Auxiliary Percussion Instrument. And that honor goes to... The Black Swamp Artisan Triangle. While they are not a sponsor, Nick says they do make some nice triangles. Lastly, though I know we are just meeting many of you, we will ask for your support. If you dig the show, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes and give us five stars. This will help boost exposure for the show tremendously. Obviously, Where There's Smoke is a passion project that requires a lot of work. And anything you guys can do to help us is greatly, greatly appreciated. Because you are a people, and, you know, sometimes it's just that in the alley, no one cares what I have to say,
2: say, but here, here, I feel heard and accepted and, dare I say, loved.
0: We'll see you next episode.